Welcome into another edition of Sport Ball with Squam, Stogie, and Skulldog. I'm Sam, and with me as always are my good friends Seth and Kyle. Guys, how are we doing today? Hello, hello. I'm doing very well. That's good to hear. I'm really happy to hear it. Uh, so, on this podcast today, we wanted to kind of bounce around the NBA and take stock of some teams and also some sophomore players, some second-year players, and how they're doing. So first, I wanted to talk about um, those sophomore players and who's been the most improved over their rookie season. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Uh, I think there's a couple we could talk about. Um, however, I think number one in that front running is probably Darren Fox. Um, I know you, Sam, at least agree with me. I'm not sure on Seth's thoughts, but um, I, I don't know. He just looks like a different player this year. He's a lot more comfortable in the system that they're running. He is the primary ball handler, ball distributor, ball cleaner, I heard, too. Um, ball cleaner, you say? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I think he's really, you know, like we talked about earlier, the system has kind of been instilled around this young team and kind of just given Darren Fox a you know free reign, basically, to be the front man of the run-and-gun offense that Sacramento's been running, and he's just completely taken off um, compared to last year in this new offensive system, and, you know, he's just shown a lot more of what he's capable of and what his ceiling can be um, with players around him that could space the floor, like Buddy Heald, who's also having a really good year, and Willie Cauley-Stein's had some good games, and Marvin Bagley looks great, too. He's injured now, but uh, they have a lot of building blocks as a young team. And I think, you know, they're just a couple pieces away from really being a great team, in my opinion. They're a couple uh, players away from being a couple players away, I've always said. Mm, true. I think that there's a couple of things with Fox. Number one, I think he is the fastest player in the league, from what I've seen. He's so damn fast. Like, he'll take... He'll get the outlet pass and be at the rim and transition before anyone can catch up to him. And um, he's a big Dragon Ball Z fan. Kamehameha. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, brother. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I think that he's improved in a couple key areas this year. Number one, uh, he's improved finishing around the rim. And number two, which has been the biggest thing, he's hitting threes off the dribble, which he wasn't doing very well last year. I think he's hitting something like 40%. Um, off the dribble threes this year and that's something that we didn't really see all that much in college that we didn't really think that you know shot it always looked pretty good but he wasn't really making them at a high clip until now and so if he can if he can keep up the shooting combined with that speed and athleticism I think that I mean his ceiling is very high and he reminds me a lot of Russell Westbrook honestly in his early days just that raw athleticism trying to find his shooting yeah um, and he's just a competitor so I, I really enjoy watching him play I think it's quite the understatement if you're, uh, you know, I don't think we talk about being able to finish around the rim good enough. You know what I mean? What do you mean? I'll just leave it at that. Seth, what are your <laughs> thoughts? There are children listening to this podcast, you know that? <laughs> I think, uh, think De'Aaron is the front runner to be that next, uh, the leader of the next generation of point guards who can score. Um I think he is following in the mold of Russell Westbrook and Kemba Walker. Um, and there are so many guards 
in that kind of class right now, it's impressive that he's kind of making that leap and starting to break through and look like he's on par with some of those players. Um, and I think as we see the Chris Pauls of the world start to decline, it'll be De'Aaron Fox who's leading that next generation. And uh, definitely makes me a little bit chagrined because the Celtics get the Kings pick this year. So if it wasn't for De'Aaron Fox's breakout, it probably would have been a much better pick. But we'll just have to do what we can anyways. Um, and yeah, I think the Kings have a decently bright future. Buddy Heald seems to be coming the player that they kind of envisioned when they drafted him. And um, yeah, I'd say he's definitely the biggest sophomore uh, surprise or player who's overperformed in his sophomore year and definitely in the running for uh, most improved player as well. Yeah, definitely. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention your boy, Kyle, Monte Morris. My guy. Firmly on the Stogie Boy All-Star team, I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's just, uh, he's not too flashy, but he always just seems to make the right play. He kind of reminds me, actually, of um, Jalen Brunson, another young player who, coming out of college, you just kind of felt like, you know, his maybe his ceiling wasn't very high, but I think his floor, you know, is, and he just is a smart basketball player that you know is going to, isn't going to not turn the ball over too much and just make the right decision on most plays. And that's what Monte Morris has become, I think. And he's been more of a key to this Nuggets team than we thought he would be, certainly going into the season. Yeah, especially once Gary Harris went out with that injury uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Monte Morris's minutes have gone up pretty much every game. Um, he's looked a lot more comfortable shooting the ball. And, I mean, his defense is top tier too, which... Obviously, is huge for the Nuggets' success this year is their turnaround on defense compared to last year. And I'm just looking at Monte Morris's game logs, and the man's an animal. I mean, he's averaging about like 15 to 16 points over the last 10 games, um, about three or four rebounds a game, six to seven assists a game, and then about. What do you say? Like three to four, three, three steals a game over that time span too. So, I mean, he's doing he's, all this math in his head. This yeah, is incredible. I'm yeah. not seeing like this. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's doing all of this with shooting about 48 percent from the field and 46 percent from three point. Um, this math he did not do in his head. No, no, no. <laughs> this is this. I'm just reading this. Uh, but I think it just goes to show kind of how much, how how improved he's come. From last year, obviously, uh, the more playing time definitely helps, and kind of having a supporting cast around him that can also spread the floor, play very good defense, uh, definitely makes his life easier. I would assume. I uh, I think this will be interesting too, Seth. When your small adult son Isaiah Thomas comes back, um, it's going to be tough to find him minutes because. You have this backhoe, you have Jamal Murray, Gary Harris when he comes back, Monte Morris, Will Barton when he comes back. I mean, they have to give Isaiah minutes, right? But it's just going to be kind of, it's going to be tough to I don't know if they could. I don't think they should. I think it's going to be at the expense of Monte Morris, and I think that'll be a shame if that happens. But Yeah, I think, I don't think that's, they'll play him much. 
I don't think they will either. I don't. I mean, they shouldn't. They seem like they're a smart basketball club, finally. And taking minutes away from one of your best bench players to give to a player that's coming off an injury, a long-term injury, and wasn't even productive last year in a system that was suited for him. <clears throat> it's just, you know, I don't think there's any merit to doing such a thing. You know, Isaiah Thomas is only one inch taller than me. Yeah. It just goes to show you, if I was one inch taller, I'd be in the NBA. (laughs) Everything else about you is the same as Isaiah Thomas. It's just that one inch. Sure, I can't jump over a piece of paper, but uh, let's move on to our most disappointing sophomores. I think there's one very pretty clear choice for this. Josh Jackson, um, who's not even getting solid minutes for the Suns. I could get... Solid minutes for the Suns. If you're okay. one inch taller. <laughs> if I was one inch taller. That's all it takes. <laughs> I mean, he just... So, coming out of college, he was seen as this player who was going to be a lockdown defender. If only he could find a shot, he would be a decent offensive player, which you can say a lot about, you know, about a lot of college players, but it really hasn't panned out for him on either end. I mean, he hasn't found a shot, but he also hasn't really played consistent defense either, so they've really had trouble finding minutes in their glut of wings that they have over there in Phoenix. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't have a ton to say about Josh Jackson because even when I have watched Suns games, he hardly plays. So it's like, I'm not there at practice. I'm not sure what the deal is. But would you believe I don't go to Phoenix for their practices? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I remember thinking he was going to be this this 3 and D guy, you know, maybe coming in for some high-flying dunks every once in a while. Um, but that has not seemed to happen. But the, I also feel like I don't know where the cutoff is exactly. If it's a top five pick, that there is just unreasonable expectations. Like when you look at the history of first round draft picks, less than half of them pan out, right? So it's really not a big surprise that two of the top four picks from that from two years ago draft. Um, seem to be a bust. The whole situation with Fultz is definitely a surprise, just the way all of that went down. Um, And he would obviously be another big disappointment as a sophomore, but he's like an entirely different category to himself. Um, But yeah, I just think because he was the fourth pick and not the seventh pick or the ninth pick, we feel like it's like a bust, even though it's like... That's just kind of how young players are. Not all of them are going to be Donovan Mitchell or Jason Tatum. Yeah, you don't have to be Donovan Mitchell or Jason Tatum, but if you're the fourth pick, it is a little surprising that you might not even get a second contract in the NBA. Yeah. You know. He'll get a contract. He can't get minutes on the Suns. <laughs> um, the Suns move... don't know what they're doing, but yeah. that's besides the point. Let's move on to... I just want to discuss a few second-year players who are... <laughs> Stars in their rookie season, and um, we may have some questions about in their sophomore year. That's, uh, well, first off, Donovan Mitchell and um, and then Ben Simmons and Jason Tatum. So I, I kind of want to delve deeper in these players, and I looked up um, their statistics for each of them in their rookie seasons and sophomore seasons, and they're essentially the same. You know, there's not a huge drop-off in any of the numbers, and maybe the eye test tells you that there's a small drop-off in their game. But I think what we often do is that we expect 
a large leap in the second year for a player. And um, progress isn't always linear, and that doesn't always happen that way. Um, and I think these players have maybe not taken a jump forward, but are just as good as they were in their rookie season. And so I think that causes us, you know, when we're we're watching them and looking at their stats, to say that they've regressed when that really isn't the case. I would say that I'm not particularly worried about any of those players. I think the whole situation with the Jazz has been surprising. Obviously, last year they turned it on in the second half of the year, so maybe they're just going to repeat the same thing they did last year. I think um, Mitchell, long-term, will still be a very good NBA player. And I think Ben Simmons definitely still has very high potential. And considering the step that Embiid has made this year into an MVP candidate player, I think he's done very well facilitating that offense, maybe deferring to Joel a little bit more, feeding him the ball in the post, and then integrating Jimmy Butler into the offense as well has been a big task. So I'd say you can't really fault Ben Simmons for not you know, taking another step into the stratosphere of NBA elite players. Um, and yeah, so I think both of those two will be fine for sure. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's like we saw such high output <clears throat> from these players last year <clears throat> in their first year in the league that set such high expectations for us going forward where I feel like we kind of forgot that these players, it was their first year in the league because of how they were performing. And so <clears throat> the fact that they're performing basically the same as last year makes us think that that's as good as they're going to be. Right, but progress isn't always linear, like I exactly. was saying. You know, and yeah. they're certainly going to make strides. They just, um, it doesn't always happen in the way that we think it will. Yeah, and so I agree. I don't think there's anything to worry about with these players, but I think as fans, we just expected, you know, a lot more, um, a lot more from these players because of how fast they seem to incorporate themselves into their teams and kind of be the primary players on their teams uh, in their first year. So, I will definitely say, like you're saying, Kyle, and as a fan of the Celtics, that's definitely how I feel about Tatum. And with the struggles of Gordon Hayward and in his recovery from the injury, I was hoping that Tatum would be able to make that uh, <clears throat> adjustment to his game to becoming that focal point player who he seemed like he was in the playoffs last year. And I even felt in the playoffs last year he needed to take a little bit more of a step towards aggression in the offense and really taking control of the game um, without Kyrie. And so it's been a little bit disappointing. I didn't see their game today. They lost to the Rockets, but it looked like he had a rough game. So, um, again, long-term, I'm not too worried about Jason, but I think if the Celtics are going to succeed this year, they need one of those two players to play like an all-star, whether it's Gordon or Jason. Because um, I, I think it would be tough to get past Toronto 
without one of the those two guys, even if the Marcuses are playing like they normally do, and you know, unless Kyrie course scores like fifty in three playoff games in a series or something, but like he did on Christmas Day, whatever he did there, forty, he yeah. went nuts. Um, let's yeah, let's use this to transition into talking about the Eastern Conference, and our first team up is the Celtics. Obviously, like every NBA podcast. we have to talk about the Celtics since. You know, we like to pander to Seth. We do what we can. Mm, indeed. I uh, Like I said, I didn't see their game against the Rockets today. I watched most of their game on Christmas, um, or a good chunk of it at least. And that was a thriller against the Sixers. Always satisfying when you can beat an Eastern Conference rival um, and in overtime, no less. I think in general, the Celtics are still kind of figuring it out. Um Starting Marcus and Marcus definitely seems like the right move, but they still have a lot left to do that they need to make happen before I feel comfortable about them being the favorite in the East or even confident that we'd be able to beat the Raptors in a playoff series who I'd say are in the driver's seat in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah, I saw that recently one of the games, um, Hayward completed an alley-oop that was basically the same play that he injured his leg on last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. And the bench was obviously very excited about that. Did that make you, Seth, feel more confident that he would be more aggressive going to the rim going forward? Yeah, I think any, I think any sort of play in traffic near the, near the rim in the paint is really once he can figure that out again and feel comfortable driving in and being able to beat people off the dribble. I think those are the two hurdles that he needs to do uh, to earn my confidence back. What do you think, Kyle? Any thoughts? No, I mean, like we've seen and we talked about last time, Hayward has shown that he still has... You know, elite offensive abilities. For sure. Especially against that one game, what was it, against the Bucks, where he dropped, what was it, 30, 40 something? Like, he still has it, but it's a matter of being consistent with it, which is the one thing that we haven't seen. And it's the one thing that we haven't seen with pretty much any Celtics player all year long, kind of besides Kyrie. And even him, he started off slow, but. Yeah. Really, the big thing, I think, for the Celtics going on is consistency and. Um, you know, like we always say, trust in Brad, which we always do. And Brad, we trust you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. It's just like saying it. Same Yoda thing, style, different day. You know? <laughs> um, but I don't think there's much to be worried about yet. Um, there's still, what, the fifth seed in the East right now, uh, I believe? Let me look at that. Right. I'm not as good at in-podcast research as you are, though. I have it. They yeah, are they're the fifth yeah, they're the fifth seed right now. Uh, game and a half behind Philly. Two and a half games behind Indiana. So, um, yeah, it's nothing to be worried about, but really just being consistent and figuring out the right rotations, obviously, before the playoffs start is what's going to be the biggest thing. Yeah, and they have time for that. You yeah. know, I'm not too worried about that. Yeah. And I think that what, what Hayward has shown um, – Maybe he hasn't shown quite the driving ability that he did in Utah, but 
he still has the playmaking ability that we kind of got a glimpse of in Utah, and he's been uh, he's been their primary playmaker besides Kyrie, really, and that's maybe led to less opportunities for Terry and for Jalen, but. I think that's the guy you want to have the ball, you know, in the hands of, and maybe he's been looking for those uh, those passes too often instead of trying to take it to the to the rim. But I think that will be very helpful come playoff time when you don't just have Kyrie pounding the ball every time. If you have that secondary playmaker, that's going to be huge for them. So I think, I mean, I'm guessing he's going to start come playoff time. You know, by the time we're there, as long as he he looks right, but. I don't imagine. Maybe they will start both Marcuses in the playoffs. I don't know. My prediction is he will not start in the playoffs. I don't think so either. They look too good with both Marcuses right now. Marcus Morris is on something. I don't know what's going on with him. You but know what happened is I added him to my fantasy basketball team. And so he really needs to step it up. Yeah, so that's what's been happening. Um, fire under his ass. <laughs> let's move on to another Eastern Conference team, the Indiana Pacers. So I think that we, we consider the top four... Teams in the East pretty elite, the Raptors, Bucks, and 76ers and Celtics. But there's a team that's inserted themselves maybe into that conversation, the Indiana Pacers, who are the third seed right now. And I thought, you know, maybe a little bit of a surprise last year, right, for us. Well, a big surprise when they when they vaulted their way into the, uh, the playoffs and we considered them to probably be a lottery team at the beginning of the year. What we didn't realize was that Victor Oladipo is, is going to become a star. And... I guess my question for you guys is, do we actually consider them a real contender for these other four teams, or do we think come playoff time, those other four teams will be the last ones standing? Um, I'm a big believer in the Pacers. I was at the beginning of the year, and I think what we've come to find out with... Well, so there's one thing that's concerning, though, and that's Tyreek Evans... He was in the offseason, like, considered one of the biggest free agency signings, and he just really hasn't panned out. I mean, he's on the floor, what, he's he plays about, what is he at, 22 minutes a game only, and, like, they signed him with the hopes that he'd be the sixth man, like, pretty much the sixth man of the year, which he was when he was in Memphis, when, um... I can't think of his name right now. This is classic, you do this at least once a podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Who's their point guard? Mike Conley. Mike Conley. <laughs> when uh, Mike Conley was out last year, I mean, Tyreek Evans basically shouldered the load and carried the team as well as Conley did. And this year, he's just he, he doesn't have the offensive output. He doesn't even look that great, you know, being the primary ball handler. So I don't know how much that has to do with the fact that most of the time he is on the court with Sabonis, who has like a 24-25 percent um usage rate dude hold sabonis he doesn't miss a shot when i watch pierce's games he takes these little like floaters and these contested layups and he goes eight for eight i don't understand it no he's sabonis is incredible he's actually leading the team in the uh player efficiency rating yeah even even more than oladipo so like we said sabonis is one of the major contenders for six man of the year and he kind of they go as him and Vic goes, pretty mm-hmm. much. Their defense has looked incredible. Miles Turner, actually, I feel like has looked a lot better recently yeah. compared to the beginning or the, the start of the year. Um, being in Indiana, I listen, when I listen to the sports radio, that's all they talk about is basically the Pacers and the Colts. And they were talking about um, the, the odometer the other day, a.k.a. Miles Turner, <laughs> um, and kind of how he... 
has looked a lot better recently, and they were saying a lot of this has to do with the fact that um, he isn't really playing the same uh, offensively as he was before. Like they weren't, they were scared to pair him and Sabonis. But as of late, the last couple weeks or so, you've seen a lot more of the Sabonis Miles Turner pairings on the floor, mainly because Sabonis is the one that have the ball. Um, the majority of the time. It's really hard to do this when Matt and Ben are in the background chuckling for whatever reason. I can only assume it's because they are thinking that I'm going to say Saboner at some point, which I may... <laughs> which I you're might. damn right he is! <laughs> but, no, the, the Pacers are just... Uh, they're a very quietly very good basketball team, and yeah. um, there's just output from everywhere, and the defense is top-notch. So let me jump in quickly, Seth, before you jump in. He has his mouth agape, ready to jump. But uh, I was was listening to um, Zach Lowe podcast, and he said this point, which I think is interesting. Miles Turner is basically averaging like the same exact statistics as last year, right? About 13 points a game, seven rebounds, you know, one or one and a half assists, same efficiency and everything. But he just every little part of the game is slightly better. You know, it just seems like he's taking. He's he's hitting more shots at the rim and more threes. He's making smarter plays. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just the little things that you know on the edge that make a difference. But I feel like he's just contributing to winning more than he was last year. And uh, and Victor Oladipo is really fun to watch. I think he's if Darren Fox is the fastest player in the NBA. He might be the second fastest. Honestly, he gets his play that he can get basically every time where he someone sets a pick right and he just runs around it faster than anyone would expect and has an open mid-range jumper every time. And he can just get that anytime he wants or go, go all the way to the rack. So he's been fun to watch, and they're basically what there is. They're an elite defense and a pretty average offense, and you know that's enough to be a top four or five seed in the East. Okay, I have a few things I would like to say. Firstly, I tried to tell you that Tyreek Evans was not going to be an impactful free agent signing at the beginning of the season. I wouldn't have any of it. And, and so I will take credit for that. Also, disagree vehemently that Tyreek Evans led the Grizzlies as well as Mike Conley would have because the Grizzlies were asked last year and won 22 games. And now they're basically the same team, but Mike Conley is back and Tyreek Evans is gone and they're a playoff team. <laughs> so. They're not. They're not a playoff team? No. Aren't they in the top eight right now? No, they're tenth. Yeah. Well, tenth in the West is basically first in the East. Right. They're definitely looking a lot better than they did last year. Um, <laughs> Awful, eighteen and sixteen. Couldn't be worse. <laughs> so they already four more wins for this season, and they'll equal the total of last year. So I'd say they're they're doing pretty well. Um, but definitely. What you guys said about Sabonis and Depot, I for sure agree with. I think it's tempting to look at the Pacers as just Victor Oladipo is their star and everyone else is okay. And I think Sabonis needs to be like in that category of stars on the team, especially because he's on my fantasy team. So he's number one in my heart. And yeah, I think they're kind of like people talk about the Clippers where they just don't really have any bad players. I think the Pacers are just kind of solid all around, get good, consistent production from two-star players, play good defense, and you know give themselves a shot in pretty much every game to win. So 
that'll do the job very well in the Eastern Conference. Definitely. Let's move on. I don't want to talk about Indiana too long. It's the armpit of America, as we all know. Uh, let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. They are currently... Kyle, I'll pull it up because you know it takes me ninth longer than you. in the East. They are currently ninth in the East at 17-19. and 19, Made a little run as of late. Um, Two-game win streak. <laughs> a very small Two run. Two-game win streak, but they're 9-1 and one in their last 10. What could it mean, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. I'm looking at it. That's exactly what's happening. It doesn't matter. Irregardlessly speaking, uh, do we feel like they're a real contender for the playoffs? Could they grab that eighth seed? I think so. I think uh, there's a lot of players that could be impactful on any night on the Nets, but the problem is there's some nights where none of those players really do anything. (laughs) Um but Spencer Dinwiddie got that contract extension, and he seems to be, uh, you know, he see he looks like he's worth the money that he's about to, that he yeah. just got. He's doing pretty much everything every night. Like we thought, at least I did, when they traded for D'Angelo Russell, this was going to be the D'Angelo Russell show. It's going to be deloading's team, but Dinwiddie kind of. But then he unloaded. <laughs> yeah, Dinwiddie came in and he basically was like. I'm going to do everything that I can and showed up D'Angelo Russell for the most part. Um, Jarrett Allen has nights where he looks incredible and nights where he just flops. But, I mean, it's only his second season. He's shown that he has a decent ceiling, in my opinion. Um, who else? Oh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. He starts almost every game, but his minutes are just so inconsistent. Like, some nights he'll play 18 minutes. But then in competitive games where they win against teams they shouldn't, I feel like most of the time has to do with the fact that they play Rondé Hollis-Jefferson about 38 minutes, and he has a double-double in those games because he's just he's such a high-energy player and is very impactful on both ends of the floor. Like I feel like if they had a better coach, the Brooklyn Nets could be like a 23-16 a and 16 team right now, but they're coached so poorly that... You know, it's pretty hard to overcome those mistakes. Well, the problem with they can't play Ronnie Hollis Jefferson too much because league rules don't allow you to play three players in one too many times <laughs> over the season. So they, they have to make sure they they keep the rules fair. I, I was going to say I was going to say about the Nets that it's for a while now they've we've been saying they play the right way, right? Analytically speaking, they they take only threes and layups, much like the Rockets. But, you know, their players certainly weren't as good as the Rockets. What? You think? <laughs> and they, for a while their players were just ass and they, they, did, they didn't really um, translate onto the court the kind of strategy that they had that might work if you had competent NBA players. And now I think they have competent NBA players and we're starting to see that they can be competitive using that strategy. So they're they're that fast paced shoot a lot of threes team that we always want to see in the modern era and i think you know that's finally turning into wins now that they have the players that they need to execute that system yeah spencer dinwiddie dropped 37 and 11 last night or yeah in like the yeah. what three overtime game though two overtime he's the one that sealed the deal well, for it him, doesn't though. matter for my fantasy team whether it's three overtimes or not so uh <laughs> and um I would say that they would make the playoffs, but I think Matt is about to tell us a different team that 
might push them out of the playoffs. Wow, great transition, honestly. So let's bring in now a special guest for his first Hello. ever appearance on the Sportball Podcast, Matt Rossetti. So he's going to do a little segment we like to call Idiot Corner. Um, I'm not sure why it's called that. <laughs> it's because Matt doesn't know anything about sports but wanted to be a part of our podcast because who wouldn't, honestly. We have a very large crowd of five listeners listen to every podcast. So... Our idea with this is that we'll give Matt a uh, a hot take. We'll say maybe Matt will give us a hot take. Yeah, maybe please. it's my take completely. Yeah, it's Matt's take, and, <laughs> and maybe it. a take that we wouldn't agree with normally. Uh, and he's gonna have to try to convince us to his side. And if he gets two out of three of us, then he wins that week of idiot corner. So everyone, buckle up, strap in, hide your kids, hide your wife. Matt, why don't you tell us about your hot take for idiot corner? Sure. So thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure. Been listening for a long time. Wow, Big, long time listener, first time yeah, caller. Yeah, <laughs> uh, big NBA guy over here. So my uh, my take is that the the New York Knickerbockers are going to make the playoffs. Wow. Shot first of all, I, you've already convinced me. <laughs> well, Sam was convinced. That was his preseason pick. So. So to be honest, I have uh, I have some notes here from Sam. Yeah, but I'm not even sure I, I can pronounce any of the players. Why don't you give it a try? I think our listeners would love to hear that. Emmanuel Mude. That was great so far. He's been looking real good as of late. Yeah, he has. That's a great point, man. Kyle, can I get some stats in the past three games from him? He's great at stats. He's great at on podcast I want research. Some stats. All right. Well, let's see what Emmanuel Mude has been doing as oh, of late. Oh, Mude. That's my bad. <laughs> He's Mude. Oh, AKA Emmanuel Mude. Um, <laughs> Averaging roughly 16 points over the last three games. His in-podcast math is astounding. <laughs> Two and a half rebounds, five assists, uh, about a steal and half a block over those three games. I don't know why you chose the last three. Sample size does matter, I feel like, and that is not a good glimpse into this team. But what so, else you got for us? Uh, there's also a lot of young talent on the team. Uh, we got people like Kevin Knox, Damian uh-huh. Daxon, Alonzo Trier, and Noah Vanle. Yeah, really, it was nailing it until the last name. Uh, I think that uh, that these three people over the last three games have really been doing a lot better. Only the last three games, though. You keep know, that in mind. Carrying the team to some wins over the past three games. Great. Yeah, I think they're zero three in the last three. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you say the first? I think the first oh, point right. is really uh, that's a good point for you to make. Chris Stapps. Yeah. Uh huh. Chris Stapps. <laughs> that's what they call he, him. He's really coming back. You know, he was out at the beginning of the season. Well, but... he's not back yet. But... Hey, what's that <laughs> last name again? Chris Dapps? I didn't write the last name for him, so he's not going to be able to come up with oh, it. Oh, that's his first name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his last name is Porzingis, but I didn't want to make you Chris say Dapps, that. Porzingis. Great. So, um... So he's coming back real soon, right? Yeah. I'd yeah. say the real next soon. three games? Real soon. No. Oh. But, you know, soon enough, I'd say. So what seed are they? Right now they are, I think, the 10th seed. 10th seed, like I said. No, they're the 14th seed. Yeah, they have the, <laughs> they have the second worst record in the NBA, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, the record right now doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Only their last three games and their own three. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... So how we do, boys? I think... Uh, so those are all your points? Yeah, honestly. Well, slap my ass and call me Sally. I think I'm convinced. What about you guys? I was just really waiting for... Or waiting to hear how Carmelo Anthony was going to revive the next season. <laughs> oh, yeah, why don't you tell us a little about Carmelo Anthony? Well... Way back when, my freshman year of college, I used to watch Sam play a lot of 2K. Right. And, the glory uh, days. Really. There was this guy on his floor, Ron, who would always play as the uh-huh. Knicks, and he would always yeah. play with Mello, and yeah. he was pretty good with Mello. And 2K, as we know, translates to real basketball. Yeah. Yeah. So. 2K, 2K, I always say. <laughs> I've always said that as well. I never say that, actually. 
I'm for everyone. It's, it's almost 2019, I know. So yeah, I'm leaving that at the door. <laughs> so are you voting for Matt or against Matt here? I'm against 100%. He couldn't even pronounce the name of Mude. Mude. I thought it was Moody. Yeah, it it is. Now you're learning. Right, see. Matt, can you say Chris Dapps again? You think? Seth, what do you feel? If, um... The deciding if, uh, vote. Are you on the fence? Could there be one more? I just think it's hilarious that Matt said the last three games like eight times and they've lost all three of them. <laughs> I was really hoping. I actually don't know if they're zero and three. I didn't even look that. They up. are. They're okay. They're zero and seven in their well, last seven play? games. Actually, who would they play? They have played the Bucks twice. So that's the Bucks are good. Oh, I know that from listening to the podcast. Very nice. They got uh, that guy that you guys like, Giannis. Yeah, yeah, and they also lost to Atlanta, worst team in the league. But you know, hmm. on any given night, they right? also lost to Phoenix. <laughs> Second worst team well, the Suns have that guy. They have lost to Cleveland as well. Oh, no, that guy sucks, though. That's what you're saying, right? So, uh, Seth, are you convinced? I am not convinced. They got a bright future, though. Right. Well, Matt, you don't want to try week, again next time. Yeah, you'll be back for more, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that has been the first installment of Idiot Corner with Matt Rossetti. I think it was a rousing success. <laughs> <laughs> That was uh, Kobe Bryant, who is with us currently. He just sneezed for a minute now on the podcast. <laughs> All right, Matt, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. All right, I would say now for a word for our sponsors, but we don't have any sponsors because nobody listens to this podcast. So We're let's sponsored just move by on. candles. No. There's always a real nice candle on this place. Uh, You're not on the they, podcast. They got a You're done with your segment. Okay. Life's a breeze. That's you very nice. Candle. Okay, go sit over there. And right, as so. we transition to our next sponsor, we are sponsored by Bird Box. For fifteen ninety nine a month, you will receive a box full of birds. <laughs> Find us on Netflix or birdbox.com slash bird. <laughs> All right, thank you. And let's move on to the Western <laughs> Conference. So first we want to talk about the Houston Rockets. Um so CP3 just went out with an injury. What was that, last game or two games ago? Two, Seth, you wanted to talk about that? Well, I just think that as we look ahead to the Rockets' long-term future, there's questions even if they'll be able to make a run this year back into the Western Conference Finals or in the contention for the playoff, you know, playoff success in the Western Conference. And I think when you look ahead at CP3's contract and his age um the track record of smaller point guards um not aging so well and with his injury history most notably of course uh the injury of game six in the western conference finals last year that kept kept him out for game seven it really makes it feel like what i said and i think a lot of people were saying in the preseason or debating whether the Rockets had missed their chance, had missed their window. And it really seems like that window is closing faster and faster. Um, I mean, depending, obviously, the maybe the Warriors will break it up or Durant will leave at least in the offseason and the Western Conference will open up a bit more. But I think that the Rockets, as it's looking right now, are on a steady downslope while some of those other teams in the West are gaining some momentum. Um, yeah, I think that that when they signed CP3 to that large deal, um, they thought that maybe in the fourth year, you know, they might take a hit and they might be paying him a lot of yes. money and he may be old and past his prime. But what they weren't counting on is that 
they're going to be overpaying him in the second year, right? You know, yeah. and they thought they could get a few years of contention out of him. Without... Isn't this the first year of his big contract? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so his second year with them, first year of the contract. You know, they certainly didn't envision it already potentially coming back to bite them. But I mean, I still think I don't know. Do you guys still think they have a, a chance to be the second best team in the West when all is said and done? Do you think they can you see them being in the Western Conference Finals, Kyle? I feel like you you probably don't. No, I was high on them last year. I uh, I thought that they were actually going to be the ones to beat Golden State and. I think they would have beaten Golden State if that injury didn't happen to Chris Paul. Um, however, they had a much better team last year, um, defensively especially. You know, you, you don't think that one player leaving could impact a team so much, but having Mba Mute last year to lock down an opposing player's, you know, top one or two players was, you know, just something that they don't have really this year. Um they got rid of him and then signed Carmelo for whatever reason off the street, basically, in hopes that maybe he would score, what, like 13 points a game for him or something. And you know he wasn't going to contribute elsewhere for the most part. Like, it was just a ridiculous signing, a waste of money. Um, you know, I I don't – I think they make the playoffs, but I don't think they have really the team anymore to make a legit run for the finals um, unless Harden just goes absolutely nuclear for the entire entirety of the, the playoffs. The entire entirety. Or the entirety of the playoffs where he averages like 55, 60 points a game. But I don't know if he can <laughs> he could do that for, you know, 13 games or I wouldn't whatever. put it past him for a series at least. We've seen Harden be inconsistent in the playoffs before though. Like I really don't think. Especially when he has to shoulder a large load without a second ball handler. Yeah. So, um, it's hard I for me to so. shoulder a load without a second ball handler. Too, <laughs> you know what I mean? Everyone, put the kids to bed. Okay, yeah. this is the this is the adult hour of the podcast. Uh, let's keep it rolling because we uh, we got to talk about a few more teams here. We have to talk about Dallas because we had to talk about Luka Doncic. My hands are tied. Romantically, I'm interested in him. Um, sexually, I think it's clear that I am. He's <laughs> the things that he does. I feel like he just. He plays with such a calm for someone so young. And we've talked about, you know, how he's had a lot of experience in the European game that's contributed to that. But he just gets to his spot, not in a hurry, and he makes makes tough shots look easy. And he has that step back that might already be the best shot in the game, right? That step back three that might be better than Harden's already. That shot that he hit at the end of the game, you guys know the one I'm talking about, against, I think it was the Trailblazers, right? Yeah, where oh, there was yeah. .6 seconds left. They passed him in the corner. Yeah. He did a fall away three. Won that, won that game, though. That was one of the most incredible shots I've ever seen. And, uh, like, DeAndre afterwards was shocked. He was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Luca was shocked. He looked at the replay and the Jumbotron, and he was like, whoa, did I just do that? <laughs> I think it's just, man, they have a bright future turning over the franchise from Dirk to him, and it's pretty exciting. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs this year. It's certainly going to be a bloodbath for the last few seasons in the West, but... I think that they they can be excited about their future with him. I think I was reading this earlier, um, and I think it really just speaks to how great Dockage is in his first year, where only six first-year players have ever averaged at least 18 points, five and a half rebounds, and five assists, one of them being Doncic, and the only other one that was in their teens 
So 19 years old was LeBron James to do such a thing. I've heard of him. Yeah. Was John Brames himself? <laughs> and, and his efficiency as well. You put him in the, the same categories statistically in their first year as Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and Oscar Robinson. Robertson. I haven't heard of them. So I think it's just you know incredible what he's doing. I don't think a lot of people had high hopes for the Mavericks at the start of the season. Obviously, what Doncic was going to do was questionable. We didn't think he. I didn't think that he was going to, you know, be able to produce at the same way that he produced overseas. But he's come into the league and immediately proven me wrong, and I think a lot of other people wrong. And it's just very exciting to watch. I love when you're proved wrong too. So that's exciting for me. Yeah. It's very rare. I think it's going a little too far to say that his step back is the best shot in the game. It's one of the most fun Harden. to watch. I've had the best step back in the game. I think Harden's step back is definitely better. He travels every time he steps back, though. But yeah, I'm on board with him. Obviously, uh, I'll leave him to you romantically. Sexually, because I don't want to get in between what you guys have. Um, Physically, you can have them, though. Okay. I'll uh, stick to courting Saquon Barkley. But, yeah, I'm excited to keep watching him. And kudos to the Mavs. Yeah, let's move on to um, a team that's pretty exciting right now because they're hovering about a 500, which uh, (laughs) is different than they've been doing the last 15 years. Uh, They've been... A dumpster fire for most of our lifetimes and now they seem to be pretty competent the sacramento kings who we've discussed a little bit with the aaron fox earlier but just want to mention them as as a team that's been a bit of a surprise vying for that one of those final playoff spots in the west mm-hmm. um De'Aaron, of course we've talked about is taking a huge leap forward buddy healed has finally become what we probably thought he was going to be coming out of college yep. um and they just play with the pace that they kind of their kind of mentality it seems is you know we may not beat you in the half court but we're just going to outrun you and by the end of the game you're going to be so tired that we'll just hit clutch shots over you and you know it's been it, the, with the record that they have right now I think they're what 18 16 yeah and that tough west with that young of a team that's very impressive and do I think they're going to make the playoffs maybe not but you know, this gives them a little hope for the future. I think Kings fans are just starved for a, a relevant season. Yeah, I think really the biggest downside for the Kings is their coach. Was his name Yager, Yoger, Jaeger, something like that? Jaeger. Yeah. But he likes to yog. <laughs> he's he's terrible. Like I, I can't remember. It was a, a couple games ago. He just randomly decided to take out his entire starting five, and Darren Fox played like eight minutes. And Willie Cauley-Stein played like five minutes. Buddy Heel played like seven minutes. And he just sat them the rest of the game for absolutely no reason. Like, they weren't down by a lot. I think they might have been winning. And he was just like, no, not today. I'm just going to lose today. He also kicked uh, the assistant... Was it the assistant general manager? Someone really high up. He just yeah. kicked them out of practice. <laughs> yeah. He's terrible. Which is a sure way to get fired. So I don't know if he's going to survive the season after that. I think he's just trying to get fired. I think honestly. if you kick your boss out of practice, then... You're asking for it, really. It is very strange what's been going on. And he had that whole comment about John, Doncic and how he has no ceiling and everything. I don't know. It That's been a weird situation. I don't know why he'd be trying to get fired. Um, but I'm excited that 
aside from the Celtics draft pick thing. I'm excited that the Kings are relevant again. That was actually when I first started watching basketball was the last time the Kings were good was with Chris Webber and uh, Bobby Jackson and Mike Bibby, Peja Stojakovic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to have the Kings back. Um, You know, not sure De'Aaron Fox will be as good as Chris Webber, but it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, The last team I wanted to talk about was the Pelicans, who have gone through a bit of a rough stretch here. Um, Kyle, I'm going to look this up since you're off your phone now. I'm helping out here. I would love to keep it up. (laughs) They're 14th in the West, which is... uh, But it's the West. Yeah. (laughs) They're 15 and 20, um, (coughs) have not done well in the last few. And with every loss, right, it seems less and less likely that... Anthony Davis will be on this team come next year. And if he's not on this team, is this team even New, New Orleans? So <laughs> it's this is, a, this is a big year for them, and it's not going as well as they might have hoped. And I don't know, what do you guys think the odds are that he's even traded before the end of the year? Certainly we think he'll be traded this summer if he doesn't sign the contract extension, right? He'll probably trade him this summer. I don't really see them trading this season. It's yeah, I don't like, either. what would be the point? Right, especially since even though they're 14th now, they're still within spitting distance of 8th. So, Unless they tell him, unless they really start losing and they don't have a shot of making the playoffs and he tells them, I'm definitely leaving, then they might trade him. But I feel like if they trade him, then it's just giving up on the franchise. So why, what would the point of that? You might as well keep your little bit of hope that he would, you know, take the money sure. and stay there. Up? Well, at the end of this year, he's eligible for an extension. And so if he signs that, that's a sign to the team that he's staying. If not, yeah. then they're going to look to trade him is the feeling around the league. But um, he's been pretty open about it, I feel like. I feel like he, like, looking from the outside in, we might say, why would you stay in New Orleans? But he seems to love it there, and he seems to want to stay there. But does his agent want him to stay there? You know, I mean, LeBron courted him after their game the other day. Yeah, he took him out to dinner. And he whined and dined him. Not even just him. I'm pretty sure the Lakers. I think one of the Lakers, like GMs or something, was there. Yeah. Um, so they're certainly interested. A lot of teams are looking at them, including your Celtics, Seth. Um, and he'll certainly be the highest, or he'll certainly be very sought after. But. Uh, do you is, think you got? I mean, he's signed with Clutch for a reason, right? He at least wants to look at his options. Yeah, my question is, do you think he would be the best player to pair with LeBron in LA? Like, I know LeBron has openly, basically said like he w- was interested in what, like Kawhi or, or not, not him, but um, like Paul George or Kawhi. They really wanted to go to LA, but I think is Anthony Davis the best possible pairing with LeBron in LA if he can only get one of like the top three top two I mean, players Durant would be better but other than that no I don't even know if Durant would be better I guess I think, I think Durant's a better player but maybe Anthony Davis is a better fit is that what you say yeah I just think with personalities Durant doesn't seem to want to play with LeBron sure I don't think Durant so, wants to play with any other star anymore yeah that could certainly be the so, case I mean I agree with Sam if that weren't the case I'd rather have Durant, but yeah, I think if AD's 
wanting to play with another superstar. I think that'd be awesome. He can still space the floor, obviously. He can let LeBron take possessions off on offense, much like Kyrie would. And he can get, re- you know, I mean, he can do everything he's Anthony Davis. So I think, if, so if Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers and Kevin Durant leaves the Warriors, now there's a lot of moving parts, but I mean, they've, they're the new favorite, right? Lakers become the favorite, I think, yeah. Even if Durant doesn't leave, I mean, they're going to be within striking distance of the Warriors for sure. I mean, they just beat the Warriors the other night without LeBron for part of that game. Yeah. Um, Speaking of contenders to the Warriors, let's segue to our last topic I wanted to talk about. Just the West as a whole, it's kind of shaping up like we thought it would be after some early surprises. But the real question is, are there any real contenders for the Warriors we see come playoff time that we think can really challenge them like the Rockets did last year. Kyle, I know you have a team in mind. Seth, do you have a team in mind? Sure. (laughs) I can have anything in mind. (laughs) For me, I mean, I've talked about it before. It's the Denver Nuggets. Like, that entire team is just a team full of stogie boys. If I built a franchise, I would just take the team from Denver and relocate them. (laughs) Every single player. I wouldn't add or remove a single person. Where would you relocate the stogie boys to? I think Canada. (laughs) Add another Canadian team. Yeah, we've we've needed it for a while now. Yeah. Screw Jake and Toronto. I want the the Montreal meatheads. (laughs) (laughs) Montreal meat eaters. I don't know. By the way, um, like we've talked about before, they're... An immensely improved team, um, especially on the defensive end, which has really solidified them as a top-tier team. Um, And they don't even have, as we talked about, all of their regular starters healthy right now. But what Jokic can do, both offensively and now with his improved defensive ability and the schemes that they're running... Really, just uh, I think it makes them. It makes any. It makes it tough for any team that plays them to beat them in a five or seven game series. Like, um, I mean, Draymond is not the same Draymond from you know the last couple years. He looks absolutely terrible on the court. At least that's my opinion. Offensively, defensively, he's still elite. defensively, he's still good, but I, I don't think he's as good as he was. I think the real difference is that he just can't shoot anymore, like literally shooting. Why does he look like the kid 20%. with a backpack on at recess <laughs> shooting a three-point shot? <laughs> um, I would I would say for me, if I had to pick one, it would be the Thunder because I think that they can reach a defensive threshold that Denver can't and that could maybe be similar to the threshold that Houston reached last year, which was a big reason why they pushed the Warriors in the way they did. If the... Thunder are starting uh, Russ, Roberson, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, and Steven Adams against the Warriors. That is an elite, ferocious defensive team that reaches a ceiling that no other team in the West can. They're long and they're they're fast and they can get their hands on every ball. Not the only thing that's long, fast, and gets their hands on every ball. Am I right, folks? You're not wrong. Kids better be in bed. But... uh so I think that that could be a t- for Pete's sake. Put the kids to bed. We I swear to God, <laughs> have some humanity. But uh, 
I think this they're turning into the team that we thought they were going to be last year before the scourge of Carmelo Anthony's dead corpse uh, <laughs> <laughs> led them to be maybe a bit of a disappointment. So I think, for me, that's a team that I think has a shot at the Didn't Warriors. did Roberson have a setback, though, in his recovery? Yeah, but he... Is he going to be back before the final, or before the playoffs? Yeah. Okay. Unless he has another setback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you, Seth? What do you think? I, I like the Thunder. Um, I agree with you, I think. I have another team, but just for a second, for a second, I think uh, if they can, Russ could theoretically outplay Steph Curry for a playoff series, and certainly just because of his tenacity and his motor, like he's not going to get tired. Um, and then if they defense can force Clay Thompson into a slump. Um, Draymond's doing nothing, right? And then it's basically just KD against Paul George. And I like Paul um, George's defense to prevail on that. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously the Warriors would still be the favorite, but it's theoretically possible. And I think the other team, and it pains me to say this, is the Los Angeles Lakers. Because, I mean, I could definitely see them making it to the finals if you go through team by team it's like, I don't really see LeBron losing to that team or that team, you know. And then, I, again, Warriors would still be the favorite. I'm not sure that the Lakers are that big of an improvement over the Cavs team of last year. Um, but anything can happen. It's LeJean Brames, and he definitely has more of a supporting cast. Um, watching Rondo the other night, against the Warriors was just reminds you of, of what national TV Rondo can be like. And I think that's an underrated dynamic that they could have come playoff time as well. When you compare them to like last year's Cleveland team, I think they're in all facets, a much better team than that Cleveland team. There's just more talent at every position. In my opinion, than that Cleveland team. And the bench depth is much better than what they had in Cleveland almost probably any year LeBron was in Cleveland. Yeah, so if we feel that way, and LeBron already got a couple games on them. LeBron's beaten them. with. <laughs> well, I, I guess mean, he didn't get any games had, on them last year, yeah. but, you know, he showed up on the court I mean, and he played. There's, <laughs> if there's someone who's had experience playing them in the playoffs, though. Right. right? Yes. I should just have you make my points for me. It's much better that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that if we feel that way, then they're definitely, you know, if we if they get them in the Western Conference Finals, anything can happen. So, um, all right, let's wrap it up because I'm sure our five listeners and Matt and Ben are tired of listening to us. So, this has been a good one, boys. As always. Indeed, indeed. I'm excited uh, to... Finish out the rest of the NBA season, going into the All-Star break, coming up soon. And uh, I think we're going to talk some football on the next podcast as well. Yep, sneak preview. Let's go Knicks. Let's go Knicks. (laughs) On the third day, he rose again.